I invite you to stand for the reading of the word this morning. We're reading from Psalm 120. I'll read, and this is short, perhaps the shortest scripture reading we've had in months and weeks. Psalm chapter 120, verses six and seven. I've lived far too long with people who hate peace. I'm for peace. When I speak, they are for war. The word of God. You can be seated. Thank you also, United, for squeezing in one more, one more before they leave tomorrow on tour. I understand you're going east, is that right? Where it's not warm. They were telling me they're packing up their sweaters, perhaps shopping for coats and all the things. So we thank you for, and you'll hear one more selection from them before we close worship today. We're grateful that you made the effort. Test week is over, concerts are now officially over. Lovely that they'll show up on a Sabbath of Christmas break. That's what this actually is. Welcome to Christmas break. For, well, for that campus, right? <laughs> for one side of the street. And then there's the rest of us who are just here till Jesus comes. <laughs> Don't laugh, Pastor Bev, it's true. I hear you back there. We're going nowhere till Jesus comes. Last week I told you, I've been thinking about it. Last week I told you of my neighbor across the street who's retired, who on December 5 said to me, are you ready for Christmas? And I said to him, stop, it's December 5. Yeah, but it's coming, are you ready? Stop, you're making me anxious. No, I'm not ready, what do you think? No, don't ask. And he said to me, when can, when can I ask you about Christmas? And I told him, you heard, December 24, 5 p.m. <laughs> you can ask me on Christmas Eve at 5 p.m. if I'm ready for Christmas. Not until, I've been thinking about this actually for 10 days. I'm having a hard time letting it go. The series of questions, are you ready for Christmas? Are you prepared? Do you want it? Do you, are you, do you want Christmas to come to your house? It's been on my mind and I'm, it's been difficult. From Psalm 120, a passage we began last week, it grounds our Advent experience together. Psalm 120, the voice who's crying for peace when all her neighbors are crying for war. Do you want Christmas? Well, actually, I know what I want, but everybody else around me is kind of crazy. Are you ready for Christmas? Now. Be clear this morning, I'm going to go old school on the definition of Christmas. I mean Christmas in its most biblical sense. I mean the arrival of the presence of God of peace on earth. I mean less festivities and fun, a little less tamales and tinsel, but please make tamales, Nito, please make them. <laughs> I'm simply saying that's not what I'm talking about this morning. The arrival of Christmas means the arrival of the kingdom of God, the presence of God, the peace that brings wholeness and wellness. We're not talking about the Hallmark Christmas Channel. It's the other kind of peace. Do you want peace, wholeness and wellness and harmony and goodwill? Do we want at oneness with each other and at oneness with God? The voices from Psalm 120 are working on this. We said last week that perhaps the boy Jesus sang this song as his family went back and forth to Jerusalem for festivals several times a year. The growing boy Jesus perhaps sang this song as they're approaching the city of Jerusalem where peace is at home. 
That's where the song says, I'm doomed. Verse six and seven. This is from the contemporary English version. I'm doomed. I've been an immigrant in Meshech and Qadar. <laughs> I, am, I made my home here in these tents. I've lived far too long with people who hate peace. Oh, I'm for peace. But when I speak of peace, they want war, which we should hear as chaos. The opposite of peace is chaos, not actually only physical violence, but chaos and confusion and controversy. I'm clear, the voice in the psalm says, I'm clear about what I want, but I live in the place called Meshach and Kadar. I've lived here for a long time, the author says. You don't understand where I live, uh, we play by the other rules. Where I live, we conquer. Where I live, we take. Where I live, we war on what we're warriors. Where I live, we are angry before breakfast. You don't understand. The scholars tell us we should think of these two cities as maybe metaphor for places where life is destructive and difficult. It could be anywhere where life is destructive and difficult. And here comes the psalmist. She's singing out. She's very, I know what I want. I've made my decision. I'm for peace. I'm for wholeness. I'm for wellness. But I happen to live among a bunch of crazies. The word of God. That's Psalm 120. We imagine the pilgrims on their ascent to Jerusalem singing this. I'm for peace, but I live a bunch of, a bunch of crazies. I'm surrounded. They're confrontational and destructive. They're winning. I keep thinking about my neighbor across the street. Are you ready for Christmas? Do you want Christmas? Are you... I keep hearing this passage, and I'm hearing it alongside other voices in Advent. During the month of Advent, Christians around the world read the same selected passages of Scripture. Many of them come from the prophets, particularly the prophet Isaiah. Over half of the Advent texts come from Isaiah. Now, we know many of those. We know the ones, uh, um, a virgin shall conceive, and she'll give birth to a son, and she'll call his name what? Manuel. We know that one, we know, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is all the prophet Isaiah. That passage ends with, and the wolf and the lamb will lie down together, the leopard, the goat, the calf, the lion, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed the bear and the young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw with the ox. The infant will play with the snakes. This is the passage from Isaiah. We're familiar with these Advent passages, right? But at some point in the book of Isaiah, the prophet shifts. At some point, instead of talking about a messenger or a messiah or a savior or someone who would come, Someone who will intervene, a person who will intervene on God's behalf. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet shifts. Forget it. We're done waiting. We don't, we don't, forget it. Don't send a Messiah or a person or a someone. God, you get here and you get here now. Isaiah 64 carries that shift. It reads like this. If only you would tear open the heavens, God, and come down now. Mountains would quake before you like fire. 
igniting brushwood and making water boil. If you would make your name known, God, to your enemies, the nations will tremble in your presence. The entire chapter goes on to lament and wonder, is it us? Have we sinned so greatly that you're staying away? Finally, the chapter ends with this. Will you keep silent, God, and torment us so terribly? That is also the voice of the prophet Isaiah. At some point, we get it. God, it's enough. We don't even care anymore. We're not waiting for the Messiah or some other intervention. It's enough already. God, you get down here. God, you show up. Can you imagine Handel's Messiah with that passage? Tear open the heavens, burn everything, God. The prophet's voice shifts when the people are exhausted and weary and fed up. This morning I want to name that. We come to the place where at some point we are also restless because we're exhausted and weary and fed up. Some of it, I want to say, is simply because we've had enough of death. Listen, two deaths this week in our congregation, a memorial service yesterday, about 60 of us came to Blue Christmas last night who've said enough already, this Advent, this holiday, without the ones we love. So yes, there's a portion of that that exists sometimes in our holiday rhythms. That's not really though what I'm talking about today. I want to talk about the other kind of angst. Maybe it's Advent anger. Maybe it's an Advent angst. Maybe it's Advent awareness, that, that instinct we get when we come to this time of year where we say, it's enough. I want to name a, a, a couple of things this morning. The first is to be aware of our environment and our surroundings and have our bearings in 2018 in North America in particular. Pay attention to our surroundings during Advent. One of the favorite text messages I got from my husband came just a couple of weeks ago, early in the morning. The text simply said, good morning, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work I go. Which is not how he normally talks. Like a Disney dwarf, six foot two. But it was a particularly perky morning, right? Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work I go, have a great day. And so I responded, you have a great day too. I'm sitting on the couch if you want to say goodbye. He turns around from the front door, comes around the corner. I get up from the couch. I'm like, hi-ho. I didn't even know you were here. I didn't even know you were here. Neither of us knew anyone else was in the house. Can happen, can't it, empty nesters? Tell the truth. Oh, well, hey, let's say goodbye. Be aware of our surroundings. Advent is this invitation to have our eyes open again. And Advent awareness, be aware of our surroundings. It's 2018 in North America. I want to call our attention to one particular author from the Atlantic. The title of the article is called The Real Roots of American Rage. And it's a useful article. Take it in pieces. You can find it easily online. The author is Charles Duhigg. You might know that name from some other books he's written, The Power of Habit. A journalist, an author, you can find it easily online. The real roots of American rage. Our anger has shifted, he says, in America. Pay attention to our surroundings. Now I know many people have been writing about this for the last year or two. 
Yes, he names politics, but not only politics. Be aware of our surroundings because we live in an era of manufactured and provoked outrage and anger. Do you feel it? Charles Duhigg says yes. In fact, uh, you know, we had a time in our na- the history of our nation in Washington, D.C., politicians got up from the same boarding house, they went to the Capitol, did their work, they came home in the evening, to lived in the same boarding house together, they took their supper around the same table, they were excused to the parlor and shared drinks in the same parlors. They knew the names of everyone's children and they asked about their growing families. They said Merry Christmas and meant it. It's hard to believe in 2018 that our nation has that history because we're living in a time of provoked outrage, manufactured outrage. This author suggests, Charles Duhigg suggests, what if we paid attention to this? What if we grew eyes for this? Oh, I see what you're doing. You're trying to get me angry right now. Oh, I see. I'm asking, what if Christians said enough? We see it's not working on us. Because an angry tribe of Jesus will not be ready for peace on earth, church. What if we said, we see? Duhigg says that anger is one of the most dense the densest form of communication. I've been thinking about this line for several days now. Anger is one of the densest forms of communications. It means it works. Great research on this topic, especially if you're a mama and you're carrying a baby in the store and you start yelling. People pay attention. It's a dense form of communication and has, anger has many positive outcomes, usually for people in close loops of relationship, closed loops of relationships, people who know each other, where we close the loop of feedback. Anger can be useful, but that's also not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about all the rest of these large, provoked, angry moments where we don't even know who we're angry at. There seems to be just a heartbeat and a rhythm of anger in our nation. Used to be more episodic outbreaks, but now it's just this consistent and persistent drumbeat in our lives. Can we hear it, Duhigg asks? Can we identify it? I'm asking as a church member, as a pastor, what if Christians say, we can hear it and we're not gonna have it? What if I could say back to that provoked anger, no? Duhigg suggests, listen, there's a few things we can do. First of all, who are the angry voices in your life? Give them less time. Just give them less time. And if you're going to follow people on social media, pick the ones that have the least amount of followers, (laughs) he suggests. Those are usually the least angry. It's not so entertaining, but it's less angry. Listen, this is thoughtful. It was in the 80s when Geraldo Rivera helped birth part of this, you know, reality TV when he realized a fight breaks out on the show and the punch is thrown and a nose gets broken and the ratings go through the ceiling. They're like, oh, we're on to something here. Let's just repeat that formula because we gobbled it up. You can follow that headline in all kinds of case studies, friends. Advent awareness means ask myself, where are the angry voices? Where am I letting the angry voices in? And say no to more of those angry voices. We have choices. 
So many choices in our lives. I was remembering years ago in the office in a meeting, we were passing a plate of cookies. Elvin and Lynette, you were there, passing a plate of cookies. The Rodriguez have this will that comes from God, this self-control kind of will. You do, I've noticed over the years. It's not because they're more righteous or totally vegan or whatever, it's just, here came the plate of cookies and Elvin said, no thank you and the plate passes by and then he looked up and said, unless it's shortbread. (laughs) I mean, if there's shortbread on the plate, it could be a different answer. It's like that, we have all these options, right? They're right in front of our eyes. All these options, some of them are obvious and some of them are not. Who are the angry voices in our life? A second thought I have about Advent and anger and awareness, friends, that sometimes this anger can be used for good. Sometimes when we feel our heartbeat go up and the red face and our pulse and, our, and that angst in our gut, sometimes that anger can be used for good. Sometimes it signals something helpful and hopeful and positive. Sometimes it's about the gospel. We've been taught to think more about causes than people, but as soon as we start thinking about people and our heart rate goes up, maybe we're on to something good. So it turns out Advent, aware, Advent awareness can teach us that wherever life is threatened from womb to tomb, wherever life is threatened, that's a gospel issue, and that deserves my attention. That is an anger that's more useful. Some people call it a righteous anger, a moral, a moral anger. I don't know about the terms exactly that fit, but where life is threatened and I have an awareness of it and I'm feeling a strong response to that, perhaps that can be used for good. In the mid-1960s in California, if you looked at the back of the newspaper and if you lived here, you saw it, we lived through it. I didn't live here, but... I sure know this story as a young adult and as a college student. In the 1960s, when the nation was listening to the voice of a young Dr. Martin Luther King and listening to the rhythms in the South and the Jim Crow laws and the attention was in that conversation, in the Central Valley of our state, there was another conversation going on with 25,000 workers, 250,000 workers in the fields picking our crops, particularly picking grapes and asparagus, with ridiculous working conditions, with labor rules being enforced on the ground that the slowest pickers would be the first to be fired, no toilets in sight, no meal breaks. And so this was the condition and and this is where uh, Cesar Chavez enters the story. Oh, many attempts to organize these workers, but Cesar Chavez enters the story and says, now wait a minute, from the time he was a little boy, he says, he was picking crops, if not here, in other countries. Chavez says this, my motivation comes from my personal life. My personal life, inside of me grew some anger and rage because people of my color were denied the right to see a movie or to eat in a restaurant. Chavez believed that people needed to look beyond their day-to-day complaints to look to the bigger issue. Where is anger being monetized? Where is anger being capitalized? Who's profiting off of my anger, by the way? There are great questions to ask. In his case, in his case, as he looked around with the farm workers and they realized that a strike was coming to the grape growers in California in particular, that meant 
all of them are now out of work and they can barely afford to survive with the little pay they have. Now they're out of work and they rally and they begin their 300 mile march from the fields to the nation's capital. I began thinking of um, Norm Powell's mom this morning because Alice Powell was a nurse with those crop workers years and years ago when there was not medical care accessible and available to them. Chavez was discouraged from taking this group on the, the caravan on the road. He was discouraged from the cause. They, they, gallied, they rallied, they gathered, they decided on Easter Sunday they would arrive at the nation's capital. We know this story, friends, but do we know this story? When they're getting close to the capital, finally the phone call comes from the Grape Growers Association telling Chavez, listen, we'll talk. Could you just take down the banner that has our name on it? Because everybody's watching. Everyone's come out to the roads to gather, and this is how Chavez earns his legacy with the farm workers in our state in particular. This is why we have roads and libraries and schools named after this one, because he's paying attention to an awareness inside of him where people are threatened from womb to tomb. There is the gospel concern. So you've seen pictures like this target our memory from the 60s when Chavez and the president and the nation began watching. This Advent awareness belongs. This is, after all, what the prophets are talking about. And these conversations don't belong to conservatives or progressives or anyone in between church. These conversations belong to the kingdom of God. If you're feeling an Advent awareness and anger and angst that has to do with the well-being of other humans, pay attention. Exchange the anger for some good. Duhigg tells us, in 2018, many of us, we have lost our faith in Congress, we have lost our faith in our houses of worship, we have lost our faith in our employers. It's not that we just wanna scream or make someone else scream, we've moved beyond that, we just wanna burn the whole place down. This is what outrage looks like in 2018. When you get the feeling you wanna burn the whole place down, it's a great time for a prayer. Spirit, we need your intervention. We wanna exchange Advent rage for Advent awareness, church. Disciples of Jesus. The tribe of Jesus is no good when we are out of control, angry in God's good earth. Swap out your anger for awareness. Listen, I get angry too. I get angry too. These are baby steps. Pastor Sam was telling these freeway stories a couple weeks ago. I'm like, no, no, no. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So this week I thought, I'm going to just try it out loud. So the car's cutting me off. On, and I said out loud in my car, I see you, little red car. I started talking to the car, Sam, in a nice way, not the way you were talking, in a nice way. I see you, little red I see what you're doing, little red. It's okay. I'm 
I'm in a hurry, but you're in a bigger hurry, little red car. I'm just talking to the car the whole way going down the road. I see you, little red car. I get it, but the road's big enough for both of us, and the longer we're driving, and I can't merge onto the freeway. I'm bar- the road's not bigger for both. Little red car, get out of my... Where do you think I'm supposed to go, little red car? Ah! Are, these are small, basic steps of exchanging. Listen, the building got tagged out there overnight. Steve just showed me the tagging on the side of the church. We have options. When we stand now at the side of the church a few minutes ago, well, look at that. I mean, I can get angry, but it's not gonna help a thing. Because the next phone call will be to the city and tag removal, something like that, maybe. We have so many options. I feel it too. That's part of what I want to confess this morning. It's Advent, and we're all a little out of control. We can exchange that anger for an awareness of a different kind that's useful to God. If I could be somewhere this afternoon, I would have driven to San Diego. For centuries now, Las Las Posadas is a a processional, mostly in Latin American countries. But in the States now too, originally the Catholic Church, we were all Catholic, but now Protestant churches too. In San Diego at Friendship Park this afternoon, they'll have, they'll have a march and a processional of a Las Posadas festival. This consists of Mary and Joseph marching through the streets of a city and a town and knocking on doors and hoping someone is ready for the arrival of Christmas. Mary and Joseph knocking on businesses and houses and a litany and a song is sung. One side of the street will be asking, can we come in? And the other side of the street will refuse. This is what the processional is about from November 16. It carries on for a few days now. I've never been part of one of these. I've never watched it happen with a chant of litanies. May we enter, no you may not. May we come, no you may not. May we arrive in your space, no you may not. Refusal after refusal until at some point in the processional, the liturgy changes. And there is a welcome for Mary and Joseph and Jesus. There's a processional down in Friendship Park today, 25th anniversary apparently led by the Nazarene College, and that's where I'd go today, if I could. Advent awareness to grow me deeper, because the, the truth is really, do you want Christmas to arrive? It doesn't matter if I answer no, because at some point, God's peace on earth will arrive. Whether my house is ready or not, whether your life is ready or not, whether Adventist Christians want to be part of it or not, friends, this is the message of Advent. One day God's peace will arrive. One day all will be well. And then the end comes. Amen.